0: You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine and Director of the Digestive Disease Center at the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Mark DeLegge. Which patients are the best candidates for traditional gastric bypass surgery, when should physicians recommend the newer lap band procedure instead? Joining us to discuss gastric bypass or lap band, what to choose is Dr. T. Carl Byrne, professor of surgery and medical director of the bariatric surgery center at the medical university of South Carolina in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome, Carl. Hi, Mark. So, Carl, this whole gastric bypass or surgery for obesity. I'm hearing a lot about it. Is it something that you feel like is going to be increasing in numbers?
1: Well, recent years or anything to go by, it certainly seems to be increasing, although we think the number of procedures being done throughout the United States right now has sort of plateaued somewhat. But it's not because the procedures don't work or patients don't want them. It's because of the never-ending problem with insurance coverage for the procedures.
0: Carl, with that, I know there's two general categories of, we'll call them gastric bypass procedures or obesity procedures surgically. One is the lap band that I see on television all the time, and one's the traditional gastric bypass. Well, first, how does the lap band work?
1: Well, the lap band is a restrictive procedure, and basically what it is, it's a silicon band that's placed around the lower part of the esophagus and upper part of the stomach, which is attached to a port that sits subcutaneously. So the band is placed there, and then it's adjusted by injecting fluid into the port, which is transmitted into the band. And the band sort of constricts the upper part of the stomach and creates a virtual pouch above it. So it works like the old vertical banded gastroplasty and some of the older operations that were done in the sense that it's a restrictive procedure and slows the patient's eating down and gives them a feeling of satiety after eating very small amounts of food.
0: So if you increase the we'll say fluid or air in the band, that causes further constriction so you can adjust it?
1: So the band is adjusted into the so-called green zone of the area that we want to be where patients eat very small amounts and feel full quickly but are not at the stage where whenever they eat, they throw up. It's sort of a balanced thing between being full quickly and and, um, being so full that you can't eat anything. So that takes some effort and takes some work to get the patients into that specific spot And it's known in bariatric surgery terms as the green zone. The other thing, of course, that's implicit in that is that the patients are actually losing weight. And historically, what's happened with the band patients is they have the band placed and they come back a month after they have it put in and then they are adjusted. And then for every month, for a year, they will come back to the clinic and have an interview with the surgeon who has put the band in. And the decision then is made whether it needs to be adjusted further or not. It doesn't have any kind of a malabsorption component or anything else. It serves to slow down the patient's eating habits and gets it so that they feel full very quickly after eating a very small amount of food.
0: Well, Carl, it sounds like since we're calling it a lap band, this is done laparoscopically, is this a procedure that someone would walk in and have same day or is this two or three days after the lap band is placed in the hospital?
1: No, the lap bands, for the most part, most centers around the nation are doing them as the same-day procedure. In fact, many of them are being done in ambulatory surgery centers. In our institution, we send the patients home the same day. So it's no more invasive to a certain extent than maybe a laparoscopic cholecystectomy. There may be one or two more small port placements or so a couple of other small incisions, but for the most part, the patients are going home the same day. Carl,
0: indifference to that, how about the traditional gastric bypass? I know I grew up with the roux and y gastric bypass. How does the traditional gastric bypass
1: work? Well, the gastric bypass has two components to it. The first is a restrictive component, and that's because we create this tiny pouch at the lower end of the esophagus. The upper part of the stomach is henceforth known as the gastric pouch. So we staple across the stomach and create a small pouch above, and then The rest of the stomach sort of falls away from that. And then we bring a limb of small intestine up to the pouch and hook it to that. So there are two components to gastric bypass. There's the restrictive component, but there's also the malabsorption component because the upper part of the small intestine is bypassed. So food does not enter the duodenum and the jejunum for probably about 30 to 40 centimeters. And that has certain implications, particularly in the treatment of diabetes. But the gastric bypass traditionally has those two components to it. Now, depending on the patient's size or weight or body mass index, we can custom design the lengths of the limbs, of the Roux-en-Y limb and of the biliary limb, and we can make them longer. So if the patient has a very high BMI, let's say they've got a BMI of 50 or 60 or, or even 70, then we'll create these very long limbs so that the common channel where the biliary limb and the alimentary limb both meet, is much lower down in the gastrointestinal tract, so the area for absorption of food is much less. So we can create custom design to a certain extent, a malabsorption component to this operation, which already has a restrictive component with the small pouch. I know
0: that both of the procedures, or rather both types of laparoscopic or open approaches can be done with traditional gastric bypass, but in general, Carl, compared to the lap band, what are we talking about recovery time in general?
1: In general, the procedure takes a bit longer. The gastric bypass procedure takes us about an hour and a half if everything goes smoothly in the operating room. The lap band takes us about 45 minutes maybe or so in the operating room, so there's a difference in the length of operative time. And also the patients with the lap band, like I said, go home same day. The patients with gastric bypass stay on average two to three days in the hospital. Although there's a move towards getting these patients out the next day after their surgery, a lot of that's dependent on the level of pain they have from the port sites and also the amount of fluid they can take in to keep themselves hydrated. There are some centers around the nation that will actually send the patients home the following morning. We have done that on a couple of occasions. Some patients have done well, but for the most part, they'll stay on an average of two days.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights from ReachMD Radio and XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark DeLegge, and joining me to discuss gastric bypass or lap band, what to choose, is Dr. Carl Byrne, professor of surgery and medical director of the Bariatric surgery center at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. I know you talked about insurance coverage, and I'm assuming that if you're in the hospital a couple of days less with the lap band, that the overall cost is less. So is there a significant cost differential between the two procedures if someone has to pay out of their pocket?
1: For self-pay patients, there is a cost differential, but you've got to understand that when a patient comes back to the clinic to uh, have an adjustment to their lap band, that's going to incur a cost as well. So if you look at the costs three years down the road, Lap band compared to gastric bypass, they'd probably be fairly comparable. The cost for a fill, depending on how you do it, can be as much as six or seven hundred dollars each time. And that depends on whether you're going to use fluoroscopy and, and a barium study to do a fill with a lap band. And let me explain that a little bit more. When a lap band patient comes back for a fill to the clinic, heretofore In our clinic, we would take a history from the patient, find out how much weight they lost, find out if they're having satiety after they eat, and we'd just maybe put a cc or two into the port and then send them on their way and have them back a month later. But we found that that wasn't very scientific. So what we're doing now is we will have the patients have their port accessed in the clinic and then we'll have them stand in front of the fluoroscopy machine and drink some barium And as they're drinking the barium, we will adjust the band until we feel that they are at the exact point where they should be feeling satiety and lack of hunger and losing weight. So we've cut down on the number of visits for fills. Nevertheless, it does incur a cost every time a patient comes in because you've got the fluoroscopy cost and the tech cost and so on and so forth. So like I said, at the end of three years, a lap band patient would probably have paid out just about as much as a a gastric bypass patient.
0: Carl, you've been doing this for a long time, and I know this is your personal opinion, but from your perspective, are there some patients that you walk in and say, this is a definite lap band or this is a definite standard gastric bypass?
1: Yes, I think so, but there are no good hard data regarding that yet. We have a national database now. All the Centers of Excellence have a national database called the BOLD database, We'll have data from that within the next few years. Eventually, we will have an algorithm for patients who will be more suitable for gastric bypass versus lap band. But my personal opinion is that if I have a 450-pound diabetic come to my clinic, there's no question in my mind they're better served by gastric bypass because the gastric bypass will cure their diabetes and they lose 70% of their excess weight. If I have a 230-pound female who's had multiple attempts at dieting and has lost weight and put it back on and she's fit and she likes to go to the gym and she loses weight but she puts it back on again and she just can't keep it off. What a great candidate for a lap band. Just that little extra thing they need to help them lose the weight, number one, and then keep it off permanently, number two. Now, having said all this, Mark, there's a third procedure that's beginning to come to the fore right now. It's an old procedure that was done as the two-part attack on weight loss, but has come to the fore recently, that's called the gastric sleeve or sleeve gastrectomy procedure. It's purely a restrictive procedure. There's no bypass involved in this procedure at all. And basically how the procedure works is that a long cylindrical tube of stomach is created out of the stomach with the rest of the stomach being removed. So the patient's esophagus is intact, the patient's pylorus is intact, but there's a long cylindrical tube of stomach created out of the lesser curve of the stomach, and the rest of the stomach is taken out like a partial gastrectomy. That was a procedure that was done in the past as a two-part tack on obesity, and it was reserved for the most part for extremely high-risk patients who wouldn't maybe tolerate a gastric bypass. The plan was to do the sleeve gastrectomy part first, and then when the patient had lost some weight and became less of a risk if the weight loss had stalled out, then they would be converted over to a gastric bypass as a secondary procedure. But surgeons have been tweaking this procedure over the course of the last several years, and have found that if the tube is created appropriately, and usually the tube of stomach is created over the endoscope, the endoscope is passed in, and the stomach is stapled alongside the endoscope up to the angle of his, and the rest of the stomach is taken out. They found that if the tube is made to the appropriate size, the effects in terms of weight loss are almost as good as gastric bypass. So it's a restrictive procedure without the other downsides to moving the intestines around and ruin why and so on and so forth. Now, there are some excellent data beginning to appear now that this procedure, certainly in the short term, and in the short term I mean three to seven years or thereabouts, is almost as good in terms of excess weight loss as gastric bypass. It certainly would appear to be comparable to the weight loss achieved and maybe even superior to the weight loss achieved with lap band. The problem with the procedure is we don't have really long-term data yet, but we will over the course of the next few years. Not alone have we got the gastric bypass, the lap band, but now we have sleeve gastrectomy revisited as such. So there are three procedures that I think are definitely going to become mainstream. Right now, there are two procedures that are mainstream. There's the restrictive lap band or adjustable gastric band procedures, and there's gastric bypass, which is tried and tested over many, many years. But sleeve gastrectomy will certainly be an accepted procedure, I would think, within the next three to five years nationwide.
0: I'd like to thank my guest from the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Carl Byrne. Dr. Byrne, thank you very much for being our guest this week on GI Insights.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Mark.
0: You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA.